Side TV, you know what I'm saying? We got a uh, Jeremy Scipio, you yeah. know what I'm saying, in the place to be. And we have special guests. Frederick Douglass Lockhart III, <laughs> with an E after the D. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, man. Yeah, Freddie Lockhart, that's what the, the slower version, or the easier version is. But yeah, when people see that, they're like, are you related to him? I was like, no, I'm the third. Named after my dad, his dad, but my great, my grandfather's named after Frederick Douglass. I actually <laughs> thought that was kind of dope. Yeah, people <laughs> love that when they see see my name is Frederick Douglass. Your, your name is Frederick Douglass? I have a friend, Vanessa. She only calls me Frederick Douglass. She won't call me anything else. She goes, shut <laughs> up, Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Yo, right. Well, I give, I give a more uh, uh, intro. Yeah, so this is, this guy is one of my big homies in the comedy game always insightful, always dropping knowledge, man. You know, uh, we kick it at the comedy store pretty often, or I should say used to, because, yeah. uh, you know, it's actually just now starting to operate uh, operate again. Right. But yeah, I want to know, uh, first and foremost, like, how do you feel, you know, with the whole new environment, uh, ah. you know, not being able to kick it at the store, like, you know, like the old days? Yeah, it's weird, man. It's it's it. The only comfort I take is that we're all going through it together, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still it's like I don't know what to do with myself. I haven't been on stage in 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 months, you know. Like I don't know if I would have to relearn it again. Like the whole thing is so. Um, it's like a like a military guy who needs to be deployed. You know what I mean? Like I need to get into the action, and so instead I'm just sitting around running material by my dogs my wife you know what I mean and so it just it's it's been tough but I think the grind the, the thing is keeping your mind right to this thing too you know it's it, it really can it's like I always look at it like how would you fare in prison would you be the dude to go get a law degree or would you be the dude 
you know, to get turned out or would you be the dude to, you know, try to escape? Like, I think I'd go for the law degree. So it's like, it's one of those things where I have to look at it. Like I've been a lot of this time for some reason and I should try to make the best of it. I'm not saying I'm doing that, but I should certainly try to make the best of it. You know what I mean? I should be working out. I should be, you know, taking it, writing scripts, doing all those things that, you know, you say, I never have enough time. I don't got time to write a script. Well, now I got all the time in the world. And I haven't written my name down on anything. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so yeah, well, mentally, you know, mentally it's, it's up and down. When it first happened, it was really hard to have that taken away from you because I write on a show and then I go do stand-up. Like, that's my entire life. And so now, you know, I wake up, I'm like, would I play PlayStation? You know, do, do I? <laughs> yeah, these are good choices, but they're not life productive choices. They're not that thing we're chasing, you know. I'm good at Call of Duty. I'm good at Madden. But that's not going to get me my next deal, you know. Yeah. How do you get turned out at home alone, though? But I got a German Shepherd. I got a German Shepherd. Man. <laughs> Look at her over there. She's chewing on a bone right now. Like that's how you get turned out. She goes, "Yeah, welcome, new fresh fish. Welcome, new guy." <laughs> no, but but it's like it's it's one of these things. Though, what are you going to do with your time? Are you going to give in to the weakness? Are you going to give in to the the, the, the bad thoughts? Are you going to create bad habits? Because I've been doing all of that, but I'm slowly pulling out of it. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. you know, how much weed can you smoke? How much can you drink? Well, I've certainly been trying to find out during this uh, <laughs> <laughs> this hiatus that we're on. And, and I've, I've, I've found some amazing new limits. I really have. It's, it's pretty incredible. All right, I got two quick questions for you. And I'm going to dip all right. out. All uh, right. One, who was Hubert Lockhart? And what was he known for? Hubert Lockhart is my great grandfather. He was a Negro League baseball star. And so he was a star in the Negro Leagues. And then he went on to become the athletic director at Alabama State University, HBCU. And then the auditorium is named after him there, too. So if I ever decide to take my ass to college, I got a free ride at uh, at, uh, Alabama State down there. Hey, man, I just met you. You know what I'm saying? But if I decide. (laughs) <laughs> on the side, I might ask you for a co-sign, man. That's hey, like hey. pretty, yeah, hey, that's like a pretty sweet deal, man. Well, why don't we all three go down there and join a step group and do it right? You know what I mean? Hey, <laughs> dogs. Yeah, know, that would be fun. Yeah, join the alphas. We'll get down. <laughs> other question I have for you is: uh, since you shaved your uh, eyebrows off recently, I want to know yeah. what that was about. Grew back. <laughs> So you know you, you know Yasser, right? You guys know Yasser Lester? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, he's he's my, he's my boy and we always fuck with each other. You know, I always I always pick on his ass and he picks on my ass. We send each other battle raps back and forth, just little poems, just in the middle of the day. Here's something about your girl, here's something about your mom. And I expect him to clap back. But uh he put up this thing when all this stuff happened with the George Floyd thing, you know. He put up all this um trying to guilt white people and doing stupid shit. And I started laughing. It was so funny because they were they were sending him fucking money, and all of a sudden they don't need money. They were sending money. Wrong. We hey Jeremy, we doing it wrong, man. I know. And so he was guilting white people, and so I was like, look, man, I'm half white, so I figured I should do something. So let me shave off one of my eyebrows just to show you some solidarity. And and Yasser loved it. He was like, he's like, I didn't think you'd do it. I was like, if I didn't have if I had somewhere to be, I wouldn't have done it. And my wife was so (laughs) fucking mad at me for doing it. Like she laughed at me. Every time she looked at me, I looked like just some crackhead who got too close to the flame, you know, like <laughs> missing eyebrow, got mosquito bites, I'm itchy, you know, I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> Yo, 
That's hilarious. I feel you like the Santa Claus because I seen you shave your beard, it grew back fast, eyebrows yeah. just grew back fast. Yeah. I'm a hairy motherfucker, man. I'm 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 hairy in the places I, I I shouldn't be, and then in the places I wish it, my my fade is fading away. You know what I mean? Like that. You know you know when you can't get that part <laughs> line going anymore. Like I, I I was rocking a part line to like maybe 2018. I could rock a nice one too, and I was so <laughs> glad they came back because I'm a kid of the 90s. I had part lines here here and so it came back i'm like the part line's back i'm gonna get one and i had it going but like the venetian coastline my shit just kept receding and receding i'm like god man i'm like at least i can grow a beard and i'm tall (laughs) and so i I just take it down to street level now it's it's that easy and you know brothers we have good shaped heads we don't have those weird pointy funny Uh, heads you know i'm not far from you bro i'm trying to hold in when I took it down to street level and I actually started like really taking it all the way down, I looked younger and I felt younger too. Dive it, yeah. man. I'm convert, yeah. man. See? You See? know what I'm saying? We 100%. Right. Like, I can't tell if you're 19 or 45. You know what I mean? Hey, I can't man. tell. <laughs> I have no 49 idea. 49 years and fully, we're not even convertible. We just uh, open top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> open you know top, well, groomed uh, <laughs> open top on them. Yeah. And that's so, a shit. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, though. The funny thing is that if you said to me right now, I'll give you $5,000 if you could grow Jeremy's beard. We ain't not even talking about you. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the revenant. We're not talking about the upper levels, the higher right. levels of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't grow hair on my face, man. It just, it yeah. Just, it just, it's just uh, look like patches. You know what it is? It's like it's like boobs for men. You know they haven't made fake beard boobs yet, and when they do, I'm gonna be so oh, pissed. They do. This is, do they? They do. They do. They. <laughs> oh, they filler. The filler. I've seen the filler. They line nah. it up and then they fill it. Yeah. They'll but take a tell. Like, they'll take a dude like me and they can make me like you. Yeah, and but but do they fill it with just paint? Like if I uh, touch I it, is is there any texture? Remember when what was his name in the in the league in the NBA? Boozer, one of those dudes, was spray painting his hair on. You remember that shit? Yeah. And and, and you could see it because our hair doesn't reflect light. It's not supposed to reflect light. And and Boozer's <laughs> shit was like like a bounce light. I was like, brother, come on, man, get that shoe polish off your head. You look stupid. Yeah, so right. I'm worried they're gonna come up with a pill to make dudes be able to grow a beard like this. I'm like, damn, man. I heard gonna... about. But the funny the funny thing about it, uh, years ago. One of your favorite hip hop artists told me that there was gonna they were gonna come out with something, and you, I can't remember what what the process was that he said, but I, I know I know for a fact he's one of your favorite hip hop artists. Okay, you guys Jay Z? No, but he's one of your favorite though. But he, he said you'll be able to get you'll be able to grow flat tops. You know what I'm saying? Oh, word! Like you're like up here, like you get it all. Yeah, yeah. All, like man, regardless of where you are, you're gonna be able to do it. You know in our lifetime, in the very near future. Yeah, that, well, that was probably mm, probably like two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay. You said it, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And I, I wonder if it was Nas who told you that. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, there's my favorite rapper. That's one. Down. That's mine too. One yeah, of mine. Nas favorite. is the greatest. Nasty Nas. That's the greatest. Oh boy. Nasty oh, Nas till I die. Illmatic. Nobody can touch it. Il- come not, on, not man. with a ten foot pole. Have you been to Sweet Chicks? No. Oh, Sweet Chicks is Nas's restaurant, man. You got to go down no, there. Is it uh, Atlanta? No, they got one no, down in New York. Oh, oh Fairfax. Oh, Fairfax. Across the okay. street from Camden. Okay. I didn't right know right that. next to the uh, dime. 
I was just at Cantor's like a week ago too. I should have known that. I wouldn't even pay attention. Who's I my favorite rapper? I, that's what I'm. I'm curious about now. Oh, no, I wasn't Nas though. No, I wasn't Nas. But but I did have a good conversation with Nas though. I, I see. Was curious. My my question to him was, like, how does one make money uh, across the street with a high end soul food restaurant from like a Jewish staple deli yeah. canters? Like, dude, yeah. I've heard like, I've heard like multi-million dollar deals done at canters like when right. we, i know when we had a booking agent he was from new york when we when we when we met up we met over at canters and whatnot so i was like you know how do you make money and he broke down some real game to me he was like uh basically people like comfort and luxury and you just have to package it in a way that people can afford comfort and luxury and they'll and they'll fuck with you you know what oh, I'm saying? Dude, yeah. that made all the sense in the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, because he had like, I want to say it was uh, like Oregon. It was like a Roscoe's chicken and waffles crossed with the M&M's, but everything was like organic chicken, high oh, okay. in this, you know, uh, yeah. shrimp and grits with super fat shrimp. Uh, wow. The Caesar salad. Uh, you know, a lot of people meat shame me. I could talk about food forever, but uh, the Caesar salad <laughs> had a... Uh, the thickest applewood bacon, oh. like like that was the meat, like that mm. was the meat. So it was an applewood mm. bacon Caesar salad. So I love yeah. I love applewood bacon. I ate, I ate a whole pack of it last night. A whole pack of applewood bacon. So you got to go and check. Hey, Amen. <laughs> you know what? Here's why Nas was also brilliant because you know what happened in the Fairfax district? It huh. became the it became the sneaker district because it used to be La Brea, but then Fairfax opened up and they started selling all the the high end sneakers. And so uh -huh. kids were coming from all over to line up there. And he probably also saw that and said, hey, while we're here, you know, you can go get corned beef on rye or you can come over here and get some dope sneakers and, uh, uh, you know, some chicken and waffles, which I'm all about that. Oh, man. I, he we you know? went, went to a, um, the Farsight partners with this uh, with this company that is partnered with Nas. And so they threw a party, like a launch party, whatever, and sweet, you know, the so they gave the, you know, free food whatever that food was so good not oh, even because sure. it was free though not even yeah. because it was free it was like the experience to me was like roscoe's chicken and waffles but it was just like really good it wasn't yeah, made made by like a three-star michelin chef like somebody yeah, who really it, it, it made wasn't, that meal yeah it wasn't just like you were eating soul food Right or, or like, cause Roscoe's to me, Roscoe's is just okay. It's just it was good to be open at two o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah, like I, right. would, I would hit the one in Long Beach after I went went out to bars or just whatever. Mm -hmm. But the food at a Nazi spot, like everything was really good, man. Oh wow! Really good. All the way down to the liquor selection. You know. What yeah. I mean? Oh wow! They got a liquor selection there. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. <laughs> leave, it, leave, leave it to Nancy Nas to have a nice liquor selection. Oh too. yeah, top shelf. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he's with Hennessy, oh, Hennessy XO on him. You know, and you know, I mean? you know, he's always shown. He had a line, and and I think it was off of uh, Stillmatic. And he said, uh, and he was talking about uh, an ideal woman, and he said, you know, uh, um, uh, 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 the way to a man's heart is through, or the way the man's uh, heart is through his stomach, because you know, a nigga get mad munchies when he when he when he's smoking like it was something so <laughs> he put it so well 
um, I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it, but he put it What's so well. And I was, um, it's that one, uh, Alpha Stillmatic, 2002-3, and he, it was the one where he's talking about the bad bitch that he wants. I want a girl, you know, who will do this, who will do that, who will do this or do that. Because you know a nigga stays mad hungry when he sparks. That's what she said. Yeah, yeah. Said, you know a nigga stays mad hungry when he sparks. And I was like, like You got to be the, skilled in the culinary art. You know a nigga stays, stays mad hungry when he sparks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I was like, he still got it. I don't care if this is four <laughs> albums away from his, his, his magnus opus. Yo, I'm sorry. Oh, I just had to nah. come on, man. Come on. Nah. I, this, I had this, a this, shirt on yesterday. This is what I'll say about Jeremy. He said he was a Nas fan. <laughs> and I would have to say that I was arrogant enough to say I really didn't believe him when he first said that. And oh, then, wow. It, and then he he recited lyrics and, and knowledge that mm -hmm. surpasses what you either know. Mind. Yeah, there's no casual Nas fans. <laughs> you don't meet somebody who's like, I dabble. I dabble in him. No, but uh, it's like that. You know, it's like that. I, I have got it him. Now you never get the mic back. I have to hold back because it gets a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. I have to just drop doses. You see how I had to act like I didn't know what you were talking about at first? That was on purpose. Okay. No. But then you caught on and you finished the line. You know what I mean? Oh, come on. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I really got an issue. But he, he I, I will get on Twitter and just put out my top 10 albums just to piss people off. It pisses them off every time. Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? I'm an old school hip hop head. I'm second generation hip hop. You know what I mean? My dad yeah. turned me on to hip hop. And so it was like, we would watch UMTV raps together. Like we knew everybody. And even though I grew up on the West Coast, I was so East Coast snobby because that's where hip hop started. And so to this point, I still have, yeah. like, I know that people who look at my list are like, that's very East Coast heavy. I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry. Did y'all see, see Snoop's list? Yeah, I saw his list. That was a that was his, a his list was always the East Coast. Yeah. Hey, hey. I, I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. So when I was in high school, <laughs> 88-ish, 87-ish, man, I can remember homeboys having square back VWs. And that's what made me love Eric being Rakim. Oh god. The bass, yeah. the bass coming out the back of those Sherwin Vega speakers off the back oh. of that bug in that first album. Yeah. It's it's crazy how in a full 1986. Peep this. I'll never say that our culture, because because I you know I'm a purist in, in a in a in a way of sorts where I felt like, well. You know what was going on from 88 to 95 96 these new kids they don't get it oh yeah blah blah, blah. Right. but then this is the thing though i had a homeboy shout out to my dj homeboy i'm not gonna put your name out there and put you on blast but <laughs> i but i had a conversation with him and i said uh i was like like how do you listen to this new stuff like how do you listen to these guys and mm -hmm. he said because I was telling him like I couldn't get into the new progression of of I won't even, I won't call it hip hop I'll just say music in general, mm -hmm. and he said well, you're probably you want too much out of it. He said I'm gonna give you a formula. Either pick a dope beat, a dope rhyme, or a catchy little catchphrase. Mm -hmm. And that's just where we are right now. So, like, as far as where, how, how back in the day, how we would have like everything, 
You right, can't even right. look at it as everything. You just have to look at it as just something good. Right. And I'll tell you this. I'll become a fan of Post Malone. Well, I like Post Malone. <laughs> but, but this is the thing, though. What? The old school yeah. hater in me just would yeah. not allow me to just turn the corner. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't. I bought that album that beer beer bongs or Bentleys and beer bongs or something. And I sat in my pool and listened to it. Fucking humble brag. And I was like, <laughs> this dude has something, man. Because he was going from alternative to rap to rock. Like, he was putting something out that I hadn't heard before. I was judging him based off of the faded appearance and how yeah. he would look when he's talking during interviews right. and not look, not listening to the music. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, because there's I, nobody more junky than a white junkie. They're the junkiest but, junkies. <laughs> but, this, but this is the thing. Brown, so Brown, he's my business partner. He's one of the dudes in the far side or whatever. He's kind of like my compass sometimes when it comes to like me not being jaded and being leveled. Right. Mm, right. And he'll say something where I may be in a form of hatred, and he'll say, "Dude, think about when we were twenty-one, or twenty-four, or thirty. Mm -hmm. Dude, if we had a quarter of what these dudes had, we'd be off the chain. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, so right. These are, these are young young musicians that's getting it. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh yeah, for sure. They're getting, they're getting their Grammys. They're selling their records. They're, right. they're doing everything. So as far as like judging them off of anything other than the making of music you gotta just you can't even put that in the yeah. you know, and, and, like and, that, and you're right the past is the past like you, you think even rock and roll like led zeppelin who's gonna top that it was just the time it was the era it was the the, the feeling like when we grew up in the 80s and 90s it was the cheapest to make music ever when they especially when they started putting it on cds it was the cheapest time so they could make the richest sound and put it all on there and so when you had Nas come out, you had DJ Premier, you had every producer want to work with this new gifted person because they just couldn't believe how good they were. But that was also, we bought the album on Tuesday, Midnight Monday. You went to the concert, you waited, bought the waited, ticket. Waited in anticipation for yeah. Midnight for midnight for, be, for, for you. So you, you knew you could go and buy it the next day. Or yeah. some record stores would, would stay open late. Yeah. The night before the record was going to come out, and you could right. get one at nine o'clock, yeah, ten o'clock. People were like, "Oh, I got I, I, it!" I got thirty-six chambers at midnight. I got so many things because hey. the dude, the dude knew me. He knew I was a serious hip hop head, and I had to have <laughs> it. And I couldn't wait. And I had to not just get it, but read the liner notes like we used to do. Read the shout outs. Read the thank yous. See who produced what. And so we were so much more immersed with those artists back then. And, and we're now, it's like we were more curious about their music than their life. Like, I didn't much think about what Rakim did. I know he liked to write rhymes and cool in his mansion. He, he I don't know what he did. His favorite dish. Yeah. <laughs> me and my boy always, we're like, dude, the article is the man, but that was his weakest fucking lyric ever. Fish, <laughs> which is my favorite dish. I'm like, come on, man. What's up with the nah, hat that rhyme? Was Rakim said he's almost godly, yeah. man. Rakim is the god of hip hop to me. He is the greatest rapper. I always say that. I always say Rakim is the oracle. He is the godfather of hip hop. I give him his respect, it, man. Yeah, you I have do. to because, like, I was watching him talk about Eminem the other day. He's like, Eminem's dope. I'm like, see, people need to hear the oracle talk about Eminem when they want to yeah. say that he's not that great. He's not my favorite, but I have to put respect on the kid. You know what I mean? I, 
the kid, he's older than me. I've got the greatest Eminem story, and I'll say it a million times. Well, I'll appreciate it, and I'll just say this. I went to a Dr. Dre showcase, saw Eminem, and was not impressed, man, at all. No, but this is the thing, though. I understood. (laughs) A lot of people won't call Dr. Dre for what he does, and, and, and outside of him producing dope music, this is what makes him masterful. Dr. Dre takes battle rappers and he teaches them structure and he oh. shows them how to be dope artists. Eminem is a battle yeah. rapper. Kendrick Lamar yeah. is a battle rapper. Right. Finn is a battle, battle right. rapper. He breaks down structure and he shows these dudes how to make songs and they're incredible, mm-hmm. man. He, when I watched that documentary with him and Jimmy Iovine, like I always loved Dr. Dre. I think he's amazing. But when I saw that documentary with him, I'm like, that guy is a genius. I mean, that from guy. another planet, Dr. Dre is. And, 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 and as East Coast heavy as I am, when The Chronic came out, the West Coast snatched hip hop from the East Coast. <laughs> and the reason why it was a lifestyle, you could see these beautiful skies, these cars, things like when you watch New York rap videos, they're just in an alley and they're always slow walking with bubble coats on, <laughs> looking miserable, looking that cold. The 90s, man. Yeah, that was there's like 12 of them. <laughs> There's like 12 of them. They're cold. They're angry. And then, then all of a sudden, Dr. Dre's videos come out. And it's this beautiful California sky. Stress weed in the blunts. Not to cut you off. But they look. They walk like they had stress weed in the blunts. Right. <laughs> and, and, and dudes were dressed. Black dudes were dressing like cholos. I was like, what is this culture? I love this. And so it was such an introduction to a new culture that I liked a lot that I thought that he put the West Coast on the map. I mean, I saw Easy e perform when I was seven years old at a park in Arizona like I was like he this was 1986 or 87 and so like I've always been there to see guys break but when it comes to hip-hop I'm not such a hip-hop head that I'll say I'll say Dr. Dre I might even put him above DJ Premier I might listen go against my own you said you thing. might put him against I might I might no I, I agree I agree I agree I just think with Premier whoa 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 <laughs> Where's Premier's crime? man, but both y'all taking it just a little too far with me. <laughs> I mean, there's no taking I, it just a little too far. DJ Premier's Primo has a man. style. You yeah. want a, you want a Primo track, but nobody does a Primo album. Think about nobody. It. You want a and, couple and, of Primo tracks? That's an honor. You know what I'm saying? But then, yeah, that's not a style. Not, and, not, and, not, and, as far as it's not a style, it's not an overall. Like Dr. Dre gives you an identity. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And Primo comes to accentuate what you already got. Like Nas was so nasty when he ripped up Jingle of the Bells. Mm-hmm. He was so nasty. It was 1992. And this guy, based on two bars, got a deal with everybody in New York. Now, that may have been pres- presumptuous, but the man is like Orson Welles. He put out Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. His first album was the greatest album ever made. And I have people go against Uh-oh. me for this because they say Uh-oh. there's no bangers. There's no bangers on it. It doesn't need any bangers. It doesn't need any anthems. You know what I mean? What, they're making this? albums like that now. They they're they're when when artists who are developed already, they're not just they don't they already got a couple of hits. They hey, they, right. they came and went. They're now trying to make albums to compete with uh Illmatic as far as thematic. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's what Lil Wayne's funeral was. That's right. what uh, music to be murdered by. It's like when a, J. Cole, every album, that's his style, that's his style now. They're trying to make a thriller, and thrillers come on once in a lifetime. It's just mm. that hard to get everything to come together right and mm. to come up with such a sound and such a 
and so like the, the people will tell me like, oh, they don't play Nas in the clubs. It's not a club music. You sip, you sip a little, you, you lay back and you listen to Nas, but you listen to that slow flow Queensbridge sound and he takes you on a ride. You know what I mean? He takes you on a ride and it's just like, oh my God, I feel like I went through the streets of Queens. With that. <laughs> I feel like I visited his friends in prison. I feel like I know what happened Come when on, Jerome got man. shot in a dome piece down Come at Jones on. Beach. You know? Ill will. Rest in peace, happened. Ill will. I got a question that's burning me right now. All right, all right. <laughs> I mean, I, and when I say it's burning me, it is burning me. Burn. What city did you grow up in? I was an Air Force kid, so I was lived in. You moved around. You seven, I moved around, so that's why I have a non. Nah, you got I'm stuff not for everybody else. Nah, you got right. stuff for because I had a homeboy who uh, he was a. A Navy kid, but his mm -hmm. parents settled in the South Bay, kind of where I live. But okay. He, because he moved around, he was exposed to so much more. Yeah. You know, yeah. because like being in LA, <clears throat> I didn't realize this until once again, my boy Brown uh, from the far side, he kind of he kind of broke it down. I didn't understand that there was regional music. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. There, right. There's music that can be popping in a particular city. But it's really not popping nowhere else, you know. Right. What I mean? But, but it it's starts popping, in the streets. But it's popping so strong wherever it is. You, your, how you would perceive it is, the world is feeling this, you know. Right. And, Just like politics, if you're in a bubble, you're in a bubble. If right. you watch that hip hop evolution, you'll see every contribution each coast in the south and the north made. You'll see the sound like on the east coast. It's the a rhyme scheme. Every word of the the sentence has to rhyme with the last word of every sentence. For the whole verse now when you create those parameters that makes the verbal gymnastics and the rhyme scheme so much more difficult than west coast but what west coast has is awesome beats that come from funk and things like that and so it makes you want to you know open the the windows of party. the car party and so each thing i always say each coast offered so much to the grand scheme of hip-hop you know and so when you like you were talking about earlier down in the south they were doing crunk and they were doing all this stuff that people didn't that's all they knew, you know? And then when it kind of went national with some of those guys, exactly, like, like, like you know, some of the guys out of ATL and some of the guys out of Louisiana, when it went national, those, 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 uh, those break beats and those choppy beats like that, and that, you know, not my cup of tea, but now when you see the evolution of it, you're like, everybody put into hip hop, just like jazz. Everybody put a little flavor in, you know what I mean? Everybody put their stamp on it. There's no rules. You know, I heard a, a a pretty interesting interview with Big Gip last week, and mm -hmm. he was break uh, from Goody Mob. Yeah, yeah. He, he was breaking some stuff down, and you know, everybody feels like where they came from was like super dope. It was just right. you know, whatever. But he broke down some stuff. He first of all, Goody Mob's first album was recorded at Curtis Mayfield's house. Yeah, yeah, and, I heard that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. he was breaking it down how like. Curtis kind of like, not necessarily took him under the wing, but was like, yo, like he was, he he said that he, Curtis had took him into his room and went into, they went into like a closet. And he was like, these are the original Superfly tapes. You know what oh, I'm saying? Wow. This, these are reals, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. whatever. And just kind of gave him an OG's perspective on the music industry and how, and the things that you can do and whatnot. And I, I just felt that very interesting because for me, it took me a while to understand the South. You know what I'm saying? It took me, it really took me something to grasp. Like it was like, 
you know, it was it was beyond me. Like like I couldn't get it, but I'll say right. this. Uh-huh. Ti, I gravitated towards. For sure. Yeah. No, I did too. I, I even watched this reality show on Netflix. I really, I really liked him. <laughs> I liked everything about him. I loved his Southern style. I don't like that he's trying to call people out to battle rap, but then again, I kind of do. <laughs> what? No, I do. I mean, 50, I, I, 50 Cent and T.I., that, that, don't, that don't excite you? It does excite me. And I got to say, I was a little girl the last verses with uh, uh, Snoop Dogg and DMX. I was screaming. I was so into it. I'll say this to you. 50 Cent has learned through Dr. Dre how to make yeah. songs. Oh, for he's sure. A, but he's a battle rapper. Never forget who he was before he got signed. The yeah. dude making all them tapes and whatever. Mixtape yeah, dude, yeah. Yeah, he's a great artist. Don't don't get me wrong. He's a great, he's a great, I, I really like a couple of his albums. Mm-hmm. So you feel like 50 would have watched T.I. in a song for song? No, what I feel like is you don't understand who 50 Cent was before he blew up and he was a battle rapper. So it's like, he he doesn't do battle raps because they don't sell money. It, it, does, it, yeah. doesn't, it, it, it doesn't sell records. He was but, a mixtape junkie back then. Oh, dude, right. he's ridiculous, dude. Yeah. He, 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 or or I'd rather let me say, he was ridiculous as he was building his way up. Oh, yeah. To, you know, to yeah, his success is no accident. He was a, a like a serious hustler, and it was like like Master P. That's another guy. It's like not into his stuff, but when you hear about him selling shit out of the trunks in Washington D.C. to dudes who had no idea who he was and didn't know where he was from, you know, it's mm-hmm. like they the guys like that, the Dr. Dre is the masterpiece. It's the guy who's willing to go out of his neighborhood to look for another sound or opportunity to bring that sound to a national stage. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, and so I, I you, you have to have your Dre's. You have to have your elder statesman of the, the game to show you how to, you know, not get taken for a ride by a record company, not um, to, how, how, how to stay open-minded, listen to a rock album, a folk album, something to get that sound that you might want to sample because that's, like, if you guys, I don't know if you saw the Wu-Tang series on Hulu. It was really well done, and they just showed these guys are just, that's the thing with New Yorkers. They were so, they live on top of each other. So yeah, yeah, yeah. other cultures don't bother them to take in what they have, you know, whereas mm-hmm. L.A. is a very segregated city. And mm-hmm. so you'll, you'll notice that a lot where in New York, they're like this in L.A. Blacks live here. Jews live here. Armenians live here. You know, Mexicans live here. It's 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 becoming more connected with with ride share and stuff. But there's something about New York where they're just on top of each other and, and it mixes in. They, they can't help but eat each other's food, listen to each other's music. They just can't help mm-hmm. it, you know. And so yeah. I see the, the, the open-mindedness like you're talking about, you know, about listening to the new guys, you know, and not being, oh, back in my day, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to be that, that guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't it depends on guy. what day you catch them, though. Today yeah, is a good exactly. day. Today no, I'm open-minded. But Jeremy helps me. Jeremy helps me. I will, I will say that. And he, he doesn't help me in a way where he's like telling me what to do, but he questions my perspective sometimes. And I'm like, oh. and it's, it's, it's good to like, I've, I've, you know, had, a, I have a friend who's literally trying to convince me that Nas ain't shit. I'm like, I'll listen, but come on, man. Like, and he keeps telling me, he's the guy who tells me no bangers, no banger. I'm going to put him on blast. I won't say his name, but no man. bangers, no bangers. I go bangers he, are the two things that the, 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 the A&R guy comes to you and says, we need some radio hits, man. We need radio hits. Nas is like, no. No fucking radio hits. You done stirred Jeremy up, man. You can't yeah. 
about his knives. <laughs> hey, we can I, I do this all day. You know, no, you know I, 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 there's two people I love. I'm, I'm literally, while I was talking to you guys, I'm watching for the fifth time the Michael Jordan documentary. The fifth fucking time. Ooh. It's Ooh. him and Nasty Nas. It's like everybody Excellent, else, bring a lunch. And, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with watching excellence and watching exactly. the, the road, the bricks that were laid. I listen to, uh, I would say once a month, I listen to Laws of Success and I listen to uh, Napoleon Hill just okay. as a compass, you know, just yeah. personal stuff, just as a just to retune up my mind. So if I slipped off of the passion, I know that for, for me personally, those are two things I can go to to draw the passion. And I'm up right. at 4.30 in the morning, you know what I'm saying? Ready right. to run out the house, run out the shower, run out the house, get it popping. And then I come home at eight or nine and then I'm still feeling amped up and I just got to uh, chill out. And that's what it is. Yeah. You got to watch the guys. Like when I watched Jordan, like I grew up with Jordan, I started watching him the year he was drafted. You know what I mean? Mm. And there's something about that work ethic. Like God. Like, hair. Yeah. When he had hair in the part line, like I had, <laughs> before, before God took it. And it was just one of these things. Like if I could have one 100th of that man's ambition, drive, discipline you know what i mean like god it's so admirable like when you watch him he's a general there's nobody ever been better at their job than that man and, mm. and 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 when you watch it like i'm revisiting nostalgically but i'm like i lived it you guys lived it that shit was real this was mm. a living legend like, i never got to see muhammad ali box but this is the closest i've come mm. you know what i mean like this is somebody who says it backs it up and does it again and again and again mm. and it's just like oh god how can you be so amazing I've, you know. had, I've had my issues with Jordan and then I just had to, to just kind of sum it up to I'm just a mere Greg Campbell, smooch, you know, little splendid yeah. podcast, do a couple things. It's cool sometimes, not cool right. sometimes. You're talking about somebody who's been excellent for a very long time. And when I say excellent, I'm saying he's going out on the basketball court and he's almost doing ballet on these yeah. poses, you know. Poetry in motion, poetry in motion. And the thing is, I get it. People will look back, and it's easy to look back in hindsight and go, "Hey, man, why don't you speak up about politics?" But the truth is, politics were not that divided back then. You wouldn't meet somebody who's Republican and kick him out of your house back then. You know what I mean? Like, and so the difference between him and Ali, Ali was a one-man band. He didn't have a whole franchise behind him. Who depended on him he was a one-man band that could say you know what i'm not going to fight that war and i admire him so much for that and i think that was so amazing but when they try to say that jordan should have done the same thing when michael jordan entered the league and started playing for the chicago bulls attendance was up jobs were up the league was up you know it's not just shoes selling like this is a guy who weighed in with his his his, his wallet rather than his mouth and now that we live in this really divided time, it's easy to look at him and criticize and go, hey, man, why weren't you saying anything? He's jet black. He's wearing his own shoes. He's the most famous man on earth. And yeah. everybody admired him. So now looking back a little less militant, I'm like, just his pure existence for us was a great thing. Because it might have made that racist uncle or that racist guy, you know, go take it and look at this, this beautiful human being and go, holy fuck. This is the most, uh, you know, uh, in inspirational man I can see. And so it's easy to criticize him these this many years later and go, you should have spoke up, MJ. But maybe he should have. And now he is. But I feel like he let his work do the speaking. I remember when the dunk came out. 
I remember now we're not talking about airs, we're not talking about none of that extra whatever. I just remember how powerful the Jordan red and black and white dunk. Oh what that, that illegal the illegal shoe? You might yeah. as well you might as well have rolled you might go <laughs> roll the Bentley to junior high school if you had on some money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you had I, some of those, man. I wow. have uh, I have one pair of original Air Jordans, which I don't wear. They're they're my stage shoes. And then I have a couple of other pair of Air Jordans, which I'll wear occasionally, but I bought them every year from 1987 through 92. And then they just started to look like moon boots to me. And I wasn't wearing <laughs> them. I'll, I'll, I wasn't yeah, I'll, I'll say they lost me, man. The Dunks yeah, are them. always my favorite. And then there was one, there was one, maybe around 96 that I really, you know, I, I kind of liked it a little bit, but I was yeah. Yeah, I was never- yeah. I, I, you know, when I was playing, I had a, I lived in a house before where I had a basketball hoop, and I was hooping a lot. So I was like, I need to go buy some proper, modern basketball shoes because all my shit are like '88, this, you know, old school hip hop sneakers. And so, yeah, look, oh snap, yeah, the moon boots, something that look like a moon boot. Uh, look at that. The that's the '93, right? It's the three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's that the is, one. This one you Fred's, probably think is a moon boot. This is a six right here. Yeah. Those are the ones I like. I, These I, are know, I take it back. I bought it up until six. I bought from 87 until 1993. So I had the sixes. It was after that when they started to look like moon boots. But I had it when I was playing basketball for like 10 years ago. These moon boots? Yeah. yeah. Like that. It's a nine. Yeah. <laughs> when I was play, playing some basketball uh, like 10 years ago, I was like, I got to buy me a set of new like modern basketball shoes because my ankles are hurting. And, and if you saw that Jordan documentary, he wore the Jordan ones on his last game. He's like, my feet are fucking killing me. Yeah, yeah, and I so, heard about that. Yeah. yeah, and so I bought some Kobe's and, and honestly, they felt great on my feet. I really, but they were ugly as fuck. They looked like, like giant <laughs> black moon boots. And I was just like, God, why do they got to look so loud? You know what, what? Where's the sleekness to them? But they 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 were function over form for sure. Uh huh. So you tell know. me this: what uh what junior high school did you go to? Uh, I went to Kyrie Middle School in uh in Phoenix, Arizona, and then I graduated from Corona Del Sol High School there, and then I moved out here when I was twenty, and I've lived here also as a kid at Edwards Air Force Base. So I've actually lived in California or L.A. longer than I've lived anywhere. So when you were in junior high school, what genres of music did you listen to? Hip hop, usually pretty hardcore hip. I was a hardcore hip hop head from 84 until 91 when my sister started getting me into rock and roll. And then I started look, listening to my parents' records, Zeppelin, The Beatles, all that. And so probably since 1991, I have had more genres in my playlist than people have songs. You know what I mean? The only okay. thing I don't like, I don't really like electronic music very much. And believe it or not, I like country music. I like bluegrass music. Not, not I got a dog dead, but like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, that kind of stuff. Because they're rappers to me. you got to live the life to do it. You have to. Nah, it you was know? blues. It was blues. Yeah. Oh, I'm a BB King all the way. Like my dad and I were huge BB King fans. But I love blues. I love bluegrass. But um, I, I don't really care for techno. But that's about it. But I'll listen to anything. And I try, like you're saying, I'm trying to keep an open mind. My wife's oh, a little to. younger than me. And so I try to hear some new stuff. And and, and I, I listened to Taylor Swift's album the other day. I'm not going to lie, brother. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. 
It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it was fun talking to you guys. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. All right, no. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah, we're about to have a shot. To, we're about to have a shot to that. That was a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that liberal yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, oh I'm no, I'm not. I'm not very liberal, actually. I'm actually a, a staunch moderate Democrat. In that, if you join one side or the other, you're going to miss the story. I just can't do it. I can't Sorry, do it with these because liberals are treating us like fucking mascots right now. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of them wanting to rescue me. I'm like motherfucker. I'm fine. Like that. Well, right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not your cause of the day. Right. Don't don't start sending right. me messages or posting things. Do something for black causes and don't look for credit for it too. Do that. It's, it's an identity thing. They they, yeah. they feel they feel empowered because they align their themselves with a cause, right. but it still has nothing to do with who you are. What do you contribute you, to society? Right. What are you practicing in your daily life to a understand more about black folks? Understand that we're not all poor. We don't all live in the hood. Like there's we're as vastly different as white people. We have so many different like things, but they've all put us into this little thing right now where we just need their help. And you I'm guys just talking about that p word. Oh yeah. It took it took <laughs> me it took me until age forty nine to get it. Pandering, man. Pandering. And, you oh and, you nailed it. And and this is the thing. <laughs> if a person wants something from you, they'll tell you anything. <laughs> literally, they'll tell you anything to get it. Like literally right. anything to get it. And it took me, you know, until until right now where I where I kind of get it. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, you know. I, I, I see what it is. Right. So tell me this. So how did you feel the first time you heard hip hop? I thought it was something that was like, um, trying to think, what was it? It must have been Run DMC. Um, and, and, and what I liked about it was, it, it was a lot like comedy. It's a rhythmic thing. You know what I mean? In that, like, if you're, it's like boxing, like, Boxing is a rhythmic thing. I got to set up, punch, set up, punch. Same with comedy. It's the only art form where I have to intermittently make the audience approve of me. If I'm a musician, you can clap in the front, you can clap at the end, but this is the only art form I need you to approve of me every 30 seconds, essentially. Yeah, right? every 30 seconds. <laughs> and, 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 and I need you to not just forget about what I did. You keep expecting more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And so the way I see it is like, um, especially when it comes to an art form like that, there's a rhythm to it and same with boxing i like rhythm and so the rhythm of life the rhythm of music and, and so when i find with hip-hop and i find a guy hit a stride it's like watching a surfer hit the wave when the beat is right and the same with comedy when you're when you're with the audience and you're feeling them and you set them up with a jab you hit them with another jab and now they're hurting they're laughing they can't take it and uh -huh. then you come in with the haymaker at the end it's the same thing. The same when you hear a really dope lyric, when you hear Method Man just say, I, I got to rewind that. What the fuck did he just say? Well, he, he had a lyric that he goes, mastered you bastards with hazardous tactics, semi-automatic, full rap metal jacket, blast them in plastic, your brain on the mattress. I'm like, what? I'm like, I got to cipher this thing out. And so you go back and you see the rhythm and not is he just rhythmic, he's making perfect sense. And so that was always this inspiration that I would... I, I would always draw on hip hop artists as a comedian. As I'm an MC, I'm going up there, I'm taking the mic. It's my show. Nobody's taking this mic from me. And if you want to try to follow this, good fucking luck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> best of luck to you. But, you know? And so that's what I like about hip hop. It's not me against anybody else, it's me against myself. And, and, and the same with boxing. You know what I mean? It's you just mentioned one boxing. of those things. 
you mentioned boxing several times. I definitely want to dive in. Yeah. What's up with you and kickboxing? Like, come on, you gotta give it to it. Yeah, I, I, I kickbox um, before it got shut down, but uh, yeah, I kickbox and and it's a great workout and it's everything that boxing teaches, along with the kicks and stuff. So it's it's just something to stay in shape, something to you know be able to protect yourself, that kind of thing. And and you know it's just a it's a really good kind of mind body soul thing that that really keeps you responsible or keeps you like, hey man, let me get up, let me go get after this, let me let me not have that extra drink, let me you know. Right now, since I haven't been to kickboxing, I'm having that extra drink. I'm sleeping that extra hour. But as a military kid, I always grew up with a very a strict black father who was like, this is, we need to get up. We need to get after it. And so I have to be that for myself now. You know what I mean? And so if I need to get that from kickboxing or from somebody kicking my ass, because I played football and it was all that in high school, I need somebody to kick my ass. I'm not like Jordan. I can't kick my own ass. I was like, nah, I'll just chill, you know? Hey you hey you know what Jeremy? The time uh oh but but I'll say this too uh so I went to go and watch Jeremy. Um I hadn't seen live comedy in, in years. I, I went to go and see one of my well who I thought was one of my favorite comedians and um I was I was horribly disappointed. You know, I was um I was kind of snowed in Denver. And then we sat on the, the tarmac for like three hours waiting for the snow to let up. Then the snow mm. let up. And then we flew to L.A. Then I got picked up in L.A. And we went downtown to see who I thought was one of my favorite comedians. But I thought, <laughs> he, I thought no, I thought he was my favorite because he was funny in movies. But oh, I, Eddie I, Griffin. I, but I had never seen stand up. Eddie Griffin? <laughs> no, no, no I, I was, I'd never say who it was. No, no. I didn't say that. So you're not supposed to name names. No, 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 no. no I'm, not, I'm not gonna do that. No, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Freddie. He said oh, Eddie Griffin. Like, oh, it's gotta be Eddie Griffin. I know it. I know hey, it. guess, I guess know another it. one of them. Freddie is chilling with a beautiful view that he showed when he glanced over at his dog with a nice big German Shepherd chilling in the crib. You know oh, she, went to, she went to bed with mom. She's with she's, she's my wife in the bed now. No, no. I, I, you know what the thing about that is? So here's what's hard about comedy. Yeah, it's like baseball. It's like seeing Mark McGuire not even get a single in a game. And you'd be like, oh, he's not that good. You know what I mean? Like there's so many elements that can go into it. And, and, and I've, you know, I know a lot of the big comedians and I've seen them have bad nights. And so that's kind of the thing that sucks too, is that, you know, if you see him one time, you're like, oh, that wasn't his HBO special. Sometimes maybe they're just working it out. Sometimes maybe, you know, the crowd's just not feeling or sometimes maybe they just suck. It's either Eddie Griffin or Chris Tucker. I know. Nope. It. I know. It, it. It's, it's, neither, it's neither of them. And I will say this. He, they were taping it and he told one joke three times and he couldn't get it any of the three times. And I was, oh, that's and, and, that's, and that's probably what kind of got me. And I was just like, oh, man, I can't believe I, I, I went through all this to get what here. What year was this? What year was this? Uh, it was maybe about like five five years ago maybe like five years ago yeah and it was supposed to be a big deal like it literally was a big like it was it was it was it was one of three guys it's one of three guys i know it i know who it is it's one of three guys i'm not gonna name anyone names i've already put enough people on black okay you know what jeremy we got to bring him back because uh it's so much more to talk about there's some cool chemistry but but that's some B conversation. That's the conversation yeah. we have before we warm. Can show. I ask you guys a question? Are you do you, yeah. the, the the far side? 
You know that's my favorite West Coast rap group ever. Is that any relation? Hey. Yeah, but I, I work with them. Yeah, or work, yeah, work with I, them. I have said two West Coast rap groups, and, and I'm sure your time is limited here, but two West Coast rap groups, Farside, Digital Underground. Nobody can fuck with them. Nobody can fuck with them. Man. Brilliant. Man. Brilliant. Oh, and Jurassic Five. I'll throw them in there too. I just do in my younger days, I used to sport a sag when I went to school. I carry lunch in a bag with an apple for my teacher because I know I get a kiss. God, that shit. Like, that's one of those songs. I'm like, who came up with this beat? And how did you come up with these amazing lyrics? Like, she keeps on passing me by, is in my top five greatest hip hop songs of all time. I was just a homeboy around for some of the process while some of that music was being made. And it's so, it's so weird because while it was being made, like when you hear studio takes and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you don't get what the, you don't get what the $5,000 wedding cake is going to be. You oh, right, right. The flour being sifted. You get the <laughs> egg right. being cracked. You get all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was actually amazing for me to hear, hear the final. Uh, that song, when it goes, when you hear, I'm like, how did somebody conceive of this? This is seriously one of the most <laughs> brilliant sounds I've ever heard. And so I've always loved them. There's a great documentary about West Coast hip hop called The Good Earth Cafe. And it showed all these guys in the late 80s and early 90s who ended up becoming big stars who were performing at this cafe down on Good Life Pico. Cafe. The Good Life, good the good life, life Cafe. Right, Ava right, my du bad. Ava DuVernay shot that. Yeah. Ava, yeah. Ava, now I'll tell you about Ava. Oh, that's Ava's? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, nah, that was Ava, man. Let me tell okay. you. I can, I can, and not that I'm the, the I'm no type of hip hop historian or nothing, but I could put the stamp on seeing, I can remember seeing Ava at the Good Life Cafe. I want to say it had to be like 91, maybe. Oh, wow. And I'd have to say like Shannon Doherty was in the parking lot in her, uh, in her <laughs> Mercedes Jeep. Yeah. And, you know, you had all these people from Beverly Hills, like it that was a point in time in hip hop that nobody talks about. Oh, I know. It's a great time. Where you had like like uh what was his name? Uh I can't even remember his name, but he was on a 902 uh Yeah, I still can't even remember his name. Brian Austin Green who played Yeah, that, that's what I'm about. Yeah. But you <laughs> had guys like him. But then it went further than that. I'll tell you a funny one. I went to go and see my homeboy yesterday and he stays in Hollywood and he, he was, uh, he worked for the far sides, uh, like their first real manager. Mm -hmm. And we were talking and he was delicious like, delicious vinyl, by the way, sorry. That was, the record, that was the label. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking and he said, man, I remember seeing you DJ at ballistics and ballistics was a club that the black IPs threw, <clears throat> and they would have David Faustino as like the MC. Bud Bundy. And it's crazy that he remembered that night because I'm going to tell you about this night real quick. I'm going to make it fast. So Busta Rhymes came oh. and the their manager at the time, uh, Paul Stewart, has said, I'm going to let you spin, but don't change none of the settings on the uh, on the mixer. Don't touch one button. Just use that crossfader. Use that crossfader. That's it. So Busta Rhymes is in the house. And I'm playing an instrumental and he comes over and he wants to start freestyling. 
So he starts flipping the uh the, the little switches, you know, oh, up and down dude. and just you know muting himself out. Uh, Chickeny China, the Chinese chicken. <laughs> he, rips, he rips it. Will and all the guys were there. Paul was there, but he kind of had gave me some space because he felt I could handle it or whatever. And I'm and I'm like, man, this is my first real time. Cause I will say this about the far side. Their manager, Paul Stewart, it's kind of like when they were welcomed into Hollywood and Beverly Hills as a group, I kind of got ushered along just as a homeboy before I worked with them. Just the dude who was just, a, they were so hot that like, I had, I, I really wasn't even a dope DJ, but 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 based on <laughs> me just being down with them, I got, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of pushed to the front of the line. So Buster Rhyme comes, he's flipping the mute buttons up and down, he's ripping it, blah, 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 blah. So then he finishes. So when he finishes, okay, he, he's done. We, we had our hot moment, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now let me go into the next song shit wouldn't come on it was silence in the oh. club and everybody's oh, looking at their manager paul stewart walks over to me club silent club from from buster ripping it the silence oh. and he says get the fuck off <laughs> that was classic it was, oh. a, it was a classic moment in my life. And he said, get the fuck off those turntables. <laughs> you know what's I funny just... is that, that Busta is, is a good freestyle rapper. You know why? Because mm -hmm. he's Jamaican. And Jamaicans, it started with DJ Cool Herc, Hip Hop Dead. And they were the king of the breakbeats. And they were the king of talking over the beat. And so when something like that comes along, people don't understand Busta can flow. And, and, I don't, and, and I don't even and, think it was that, man. I just wasn't prepared. I was over hyped. <laughs> there was a gang of people in the place. I wasn't even drinking back then, so I can't blame it on the drink. I smoked a little bit, but I wasn't faded. It was just so you, huh? You were down with them from Bizarre Ride to the Far Side through yeah. Lab Cabin, California. I bought oh, yeah. that one. I love that one. Yeah. That was that wasn't as huge a critical success, but I love Lab Cabin, California. I love that. I remember that purple cover. Like I loved it. Those guys were dope. Ask him the question, Jeremy, about his what? affiliations. What's that again? About, about about his uh about your man's affiliations, the 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 comedian that uh kind of endorsed him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> well, I was gonna say, what is a uh, Dave Chappelle's uh what does a Dave Chappelle endorsement mean to you? It, honestly, I had when that happened. I had been on a couple of shows and did a couple of things, you, you know. But there was some more people quote having seen that, and that goes back to like we were talking about earlier with guys like Dr. Dre. You need statesmen of comedy. Now, I, I had the opportunity. I'll make this brief. I had the opportunity to meet Richard Pryor in, in 2000 when I started yeah. doing comedy, but I opted not to. And the reason being is I couldn't see that man in a decrepit state. It just would it would have killed me. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather remember him as the legend that my father and I grew up adoring. And so with Chappelle, when I first started coming around, he was always really nice to me, him and Chris Rock were. And, 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 and the kind of nice, too, where they're not bullshitting you. They're really giving you, hey, I liked your set. Maybe try this, do that. And so one, one night, you know, after I had gotten to know Chappelle a little, pretty well, he put my video on YouTube. Like, he made a video for me. And I... I he didn't need to do that. You know what I mean? Like he did not need to do that. And the man is so incredibly good at his job. 
and still has time for us younger guys and young cats to not just school us, but to give us a little bump Absolutely. like this. Yeah, and so there's always a, co a comedian like that will help out, and he did a great job of that. He's he's always been a great advocate. But you you know what I'm gonna say though, um, when you're passionate about something, and you're and you're truly passionate, it's not something you're doing for anybody. It's just you're in your place where you feel comfortable, right? And it's almost like whatever your higher power is is handing it to you. Yeah, you're you're in the right path. People people recognize it though, like like when it when it's genuine. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like for me, I've done different things, different business ventures and whatnot, and I can I can honestly say my work ethic has got me places where my talent would never get. Oh, and that's okay. a huge huge component that so many people in this business don't understand. Your work ethic has got to surpass your talent. Now, I don't care how talented you are. Man. Like when I when I would see Chris Rock show up, always showed up alone, always had a notebook, never bumped anybody. I was like, if the number one comic at the time in the world could be that way, why is the number 50th comic an asshole to everybody who bumps everybody? Carlos Mencia. As he's the number. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like, so So I think he, he, he was good at setting an example too for young comedians, especially black comedians. There's a, there's, there's such a stigma with us where, oh, you need to talk about this. You need to talk about that. Dave's not right. afraid to explore all realms, even unpopular notions. You know what I mean? And so uh, someone like that to just get to know him and, and, and to be around his greatness is something I'll, I'll talk to my grandkids about. If nothing ever else happens for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So tell me this. At what point did you realize you could make people laugh? When I was four. And it wasn't just people, it was adults. If I could make an adult laugh, that meant so much to me. A kid, that was easy to make laugh. But when I could make my folks laugh, especially my dad, my dad is just a hard old black man. He don't, nothing impresses him, nothing. We, the only time I saw my dad impressed was in 1983 during the, um, the Motown uh, 25th anniversary. Michael Jackson did the moonwalk. I have never seen, my dad is just, nothing phases him. There's a bump in the night, he'll go see about it. Car breaks down, nigga's gonna fix it. You know what I mean? Like he's a man. And so that time we were watching Michael Jackson and then he did the moonwalk. My dad was clapping, standing he up. He almost didn't stop. I, I yeah. can remember that moment right the now. Spin. It like he, yeah. It seemed like he moonwalked for like 10 minutes. 10 minutes, the cameraman was bobbing. <laughs> Everybody was losing their fucking mind. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to blow my dad's mind. You know what I mean? I want an attaboy from my dad like that. And so the trouble with it is when I got into comedy, my dad was my biggest fan. So I got so many attaboys from him that I didn't really get as a kid. He's like, get up, little bitch. Go to work. You know, go to school. Go play football. But as we got to be men, and he's only 22 years older than me, as we got to be men, we became best friends. He's my best friend, oh, wow. my father is. And as a black man, wow. it's so privileged to be able to say my best friend is my father. You wow. know what I mean? Like, like not only do I have a great relationship, he's a great um He's a great advocate. He's a great advice giver. And he's got the same name as me and lived through the same shit. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just I appreciate how strict he was as a kid. And I appreciate not being allowed to drink soda and all these rules he had that made me the man I am today. You know, so so tell me this. If you had to, to pick. Would you say. When it comes to your acting. Uh, comedic uh, comedy, comedic actor, 
or just acting where you just kind of bring what the role kind of desires instead of it being like I would go with like, acting i would rather i would have i took dramatic acting i took stanford meisner and i and all my favorite movies are dramas like i really don't like comedies that much i don't dislike them it's just one of these things where it's like i do that for a living i can see the formula but if i watch a good drama you can have laughs in a drama you can have a lot of laugh breaks and relief and it's a little more true to life whereas if i watch a comedy i mean if i watch friday i'm gonna laugh the whole fucking time that's just a brilliant movie right, right. But I don't watch like, you know, sitcoms or, 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 or a whole lot of comedies. I just don't because it was always my work, you know. And so I always look at it like when I come home, like I like, you know, I like all the AFI classics. I like Casablanca down to do the right thing. Like I love great, meaningful movies. That, and I'm also as a comedian, it sounds, you know, I look at crying as the same way as laughing. If you can gain an involuntary response from me, you've done your job. Right, you know. So if I'm watching this movie and I'm choked up and I'm embarrassed, you know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, they did a good job because that got to me. And the same with mm -hmm. laughter. It's like you pulled that out of me. It's like making someone come. It's so intimate, you know. It is. I, hey, man. I can say I've I've watched a couple Netflix uh flicks, and I'm like, dang, they killed that role. Even if it right. wasn't. Like one one of my favorite actors right now, contemporary actors, he doesn't get long roles, but whatever role he gets, he kind of kills it, man. He kill he leaves that impression, and to me, that's like a very talented, talented, Who's that? talented crap, huh? Who's that? Who's uh, the actor? Oh yeah, yeah, because he, he's my homeboy too. So oh, I don't King Woodbine? Nah, I'm not gonna say okay. that. He my homeboy too, so he, you know. But but he he's like he uh he pulls something. He's so dope. Before he was my homeboy, um, he would play these different roles, and it was kind of like they would just kind of stick with me. You know what I'm saying? The character. Oh yeah, that's would, that's when it's great. Yeah, they would they would stick with me, and then we had further conversation. And then I could see that even in our conversation about his acting, he's very modest. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah, very modest cat. You know what I'm that's, saying? That's, that's always good to hear. I'm friends with a few guys on the show, The Wire. Have you seen The Wire? Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite show favorite of all time. So, yeah, yeah, shout, out friends to, with, shout out to Amwan Glover, man. He was, he was as cool oh, in person. He was as cool in person as he was on The Wire. We, met, Charles. Him the, we met him at the... 420 it was a 420 cannabis festival in washington dc about three years ago and uh um, i was over at the uh at the hash bar and he just happened to be at the hash bar you know whatever that smooth and, uh, voice and i was yeah his because his voice kind of sounds like kind of raspy or whatever and I, <laughs> yeah and i couldn't tell if that was him because on the wire i'm i'm like six two Mm -hmm. he's taller than me like he he's he about six five six six yeah he, yeah he towered over me <laughs> yeah. so it was kind of like i thought that might have been the guy but i wasn't sure and i talked to him and shit we talked kicked it you know what i'm saying yeah, talked it yeah he's a cool dude and and the funny thing about that is uh the driver who picked us up when we um when we when we uh got to the airport he was raving about this group uh 
Backyard, I believe that's the name of the group, Backyard, mm-hmm. which is which is Anwan Glover's group. And they're they're go they're go-go, you know, go-go music, DC go-go right. music, whatever. And he was like, ooh, backyard's gonna perform. Ooh. And he wasn't even tripping off of Talib Kwali. He wasn't tripping off the far side, whatever. Yeah. He's like, he's like, backyard, woo. And he's that's just hilarious. And I'm trying, yeah. and I'm trying to catch it. Like I'm not getting it. But when they perform, even though like Farside was the hip hop, Talib was the hip hop, what they did to that crowd, I really respected. Like I, I got it. Like I, I got right. it. The connected. He's just an actor that's in a band. And, yeah. and, and, and the band is dope. Like people. When you watch him on that show, he's so like all half of those actors are their local guys from either Baltimore or DC. It's the most successful television show ever. And it's a 80% black cast. And when people haven't seen it, I'm like, what is wrong with you? You're watching Law and Order. You're not watching this shit. And so him <laughs> right, on that right. show as, as Slim Charles, he was so smooth. And it was yeah. just like, I love him. I'm friends with Jamie Hector, who played Marlis. Jamie Hansel. Hector. Yeah, I know Y'all Jamie. Check him in New York. Yeah, I know uh, uh, Dominic Lombardo, who played uh, Herc, the white guy yeah. with the bald head, Herc. <laughs> and, uh, and, and a couple of the yeah. other guys, Bubbles. Uh, who played Bubbles? Yeah, he, he was doing comedy Andre for Royal. he was doing comedy for a little bit. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. But Bubbles, that, that, Bubbles was in a. He had a dope role in that Shaft, where yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright played Peoples Hernandez. That was incredible. Man. Yeah, I always figured Jeffrey Wright's my long lost father. We got the same beard and bald head. <laughs> did, did you uh, know and, and wood harris too man come on no, wood harris. he's so he, good he's he's just, Alba. those you those know? eyes those scary ferret eyes that and marlo stansfield when people are like marlo stansfield it's not scary i'm like he's a shark that golf club he carries around that's the and i'll tell you the scariest Felicia. yeah felicia <laughs> snoop pearson is the most unreasonable human being on that show that girl is i'm terrified of that girl yeah. even stephen yeah. king said she's the scariest female character he's ever seen in his life stephen, stephen king. king said that <laughs> yeah hey come on because she's she's real b more like she has that baltimore accent what are you doing where are you going you know, like all that weird Chesapeake mm. Bay accent they have. And it's just mm. such a specific accent, too. And those actors who nailed it, they nailed it. Because that's mm. why that show, but that show is, it's Dickens. It's it's Come on, it's yeah. it's so amazing. And it, when people are telling me, oh, watch uh, the, the 30th best show on TV. I'm like, watch The Wire, man. And then watch it again. I left mm. one out. I definitely left one out. Laws of Success. Napoleon Hill, Sermon on the Mount, and Marlo Stansfield's greatest quotes and moments. That oh, one. Yeah. That. <laughs> what? The best. And, and you know what it is? He plays a cop on another show on Bosch on Amazon. Bosch, yeah. And he's oh, wow. such a good actor. You buy him as an LAPD homicide detective when he was once a major drug lord and something else. That's what a good actor is. It's that scar that makes him so scary looking. I have, you know? I have Amazon Prime, and I'm glad you said that, because I'm going... I haven't watched oh, one check out Bosch. Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, check out Bosch. It's a good show. I'm... I'm. Uh, people don't... This is a very unpopular thing to say, but I have a lot of police friends who are detectives, homicide detectives, mm-hmm. and um, and not regular beat cops. They're, they're, they're murder police. No, I have, so, a lot, I have a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect okay. for uh, detectives. Detectives yeah. are smart, man. They're not. Yeah, they're, they're smart. Not, they're, they're not they're the bullies. Average. Yeah, no, they're yeah, not. No. 
like three of my friends are good or detectives one's retired but the other two and they're like the wire is simply the greatest show that ever existed mm. nobody's ever even come close to capturing what real police work is like there is no heroes on either side you know yeah. it's like they're both they, they they skated that gray area on the wire so well that mm-hmm. you root for people you, you you're upset when they're gone and there's something about the wire the sopranos these kind of shows where anybody's ticket can get pulled and so yeah. it adds that much more layer and depth of, 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 oh man, like this isn't network TV. The star of the yeah. show could be gone, you know? Because there is no star of the wire. The Baltimore is no. the star of the wire. Yeah. The, D'Angelo, they made him seem like he was a redeemable hero. And, you know, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know what? After 16 years, you need to have oh, seen man. this. If you haven't seen that, I don't. I don't hold back spoilers anymore. I won't tell you how it all ends. But like, come on, come on, you gotta see this. <laughs> Especially the junk people are watching. I'm like, well, how are you? How have you not seen the Jordan doc? How have you not seen the wife? What are you doing with your life? You know. Man. And spe- speaking of books too, I read a great one recently called Atomic Habits, or I audio booked it. Come on now. But I, I and and. It's really good because it's not like, like you know, those books, The Secret. They're like, you can have anything you imagine. Well, that's just not fucking right. true. You have to work for it. And so this right. book breaks down. <laughs> Shut up, Gertie. This book breaks down the, uh, called the two-minute practice. If you want to start doing something new or improving your life, show up for two minutes each day. Just two minutes. Like, I got a gym in my house. I should go in there and work out. I don't. But if I go in there for two minutes tomorrow, the next day I'll go for two minutes. And the next day I'll go for two minutes. And eventually, because you showed up, your body's going to go, well, we're here. Might as well do the work. Right. And you start to ease into it and ease into it and ease into it. And so it's the secret to life, moderation. And and every day I'm trying to relearn that lesson, but I feel like I'm getting a little closer each day. Mm-hmm. What do you miss post-pandemic? What do I miss? I miss breaking bread with friends, going to have a good dinner, talking for a couple hours, you know, doing a set, just being out. I just miss, and I miss coming home because I've been gone for a while. My dogs don't even get excited when I, you know, like that. that's, I need, I need structure back. I miss structure. You know what I mean? It's Groundhog Day. Every day I wake up like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know? And so I, I do miss structure, but I really have always been pretty positive. There's something that's meant to be, something that's going to come from this. We're all going to, gain something from this be it perspective appreciation for your family whatever it is something good should come from this i hope you know yeah i um i stopped going as hard well well i won't say i stopped going as as hard i kind of rearranged things so i'll say definitely for my father because he only lives like five minutes from me I've been able to see him more in the morning and then I'll come home from work. Like I'll go in earlier and then I'll come home from work and I'll come and I'll hang with him, have a little, have a whiskey with him. You know what I'm saying? Chop yeah. it up, get some yeah. of that old game. Yeah. And it, old game. Hey, it's funny. I was talking to him today and I said, you know, don't think I'm a hater. I'm not a hater. I was having to explain this to my father. I said, your father was the model T. You had to crank him up from the front, you know what I'm saying? To get right, him going, right. and he probably could go 15 miles an hour with the pedal all the way down. <laughs> My father was kind of like, 
a Toyota. No, he was like a a, a B a B uh, a B twelve, the one that had the actual B on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, B twelve. Yeah. I told him, I'm an Audi. I'm not a Porsche. I'm not whatever. I'm not better than any of the cars that came before me. It's just technology has just made it where the my vision is different. You know what I'm right. thinking? Where right. I'm more where where I think like within generations of men, um the newer generations are more accepting to the technology that's there. Not saying that you have to use the technology or be totally sure. be down for the technology, but right. like, you know, I, you know, my dad, he's single and I look at it and I'm just like, you know, he, he dates or has a whatever he got going on. And I look at it like, man, if this dude could open up to the, but it's a blessing that he's not open to the internet world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. But if he can at least embrace it and, and step into it, my dad sends me emojis. He sends me like gifts, <laughs> like all sorts my of stuff. My dad's emoji king, man. Smiley yeah. faces, all kinds of, you know. I, I, I send my dad the, the, have you seen the big brother with the big dick that hangs out online? That people always send that picture. So my cop oh, friends wow. always send that to Never me. Never got that to my dad. Oh, I send it to my dad all the time. And he's like, you got me again, <laughs> motherfucker. Quit doing that shit. And I'm like, that's when it's great, When especially like you were talking about too. He is an old head and he is old school, my pops, but he also has some timeless advice too. You know what I mean? Oh man, that's that's the part, that part. It just puts know? it in perspective where you're like, oh God, I didn't even look at it that way, you know? Yeah, I, I look at my dad and I say, you know what? Even though we see things so, so, so opposite, you can argue anybody on anything, but you can't argue experience. Like that's no, no. one thing that you can't argue. You can argue a lot. But you can't yeah. argue experience because if someone has been through it, and, and that 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 leads to like the last question I'm gonna ask you, but it's a trip because what, what we're going through right now with this pandemic, you can't ask anybody alive how to work through it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like right. they, nobody's they, got they, they have an opinion, right. but nobody has done it. You know what I'm right. saying? Like nobody. So tell me this. Uh, as a comedian, and um, and it's a trip because you and Jerry, Jeremy, I'm sorry, you and Jeremy, I had a couple shots of tequila, man. We were having a great show. Oh man, that sounds good. <laughs> he said, "Oh man, keeping it to myself." Mm. But uh, I know Jeremy is like a stage rat. Like he loves the stage. Like he like like the stage is his. That's his thing. I could tell. All right, what you said earlier that you have a very passionate way about the stage also so with where we are right now where do you see the progression of social interaction man that's that's a good question it's hard to say because winter's coming as they say and it's like <laughs> if this gets worse i don't i it, this is the first time in my life i can't foresee the future not that i ever could but you know what i mean like make plans and yeah. so it, it, as far as i i think we'll get through this I do. Oh no, we're gonna they, get through it. Yeah, and I think we'll have different. comedy again. But I, I, my dad and I were talking about this the other day, and he said things will never be the same again. Mm -mm. I said, "What do you mean about that?" And he's like, "What you knew is the past. You're gonna have to accept the new future." And that was another one of those old head things. I was listening to Pops, man. He still got it. And so I, what he meant by that was like, I can make my plans and I can have my, you know, goals. But I, I, I can't let them dictate upon what basically Governor Newsom says the comedy show can open back up. And yeah. so what can I do? In the interim, I can write. 
I can work on material. And when this yeah. is all over, I can be the guy, just like I said, who went to prison. And guess what? I've got a law degree now. I made the most of my fucking time in this allotted time that we've all been asking for. We've all wanted just, you know, you can yes. have as much money as you want, but time is the yeah. most precious commodity right. on earth. Yeah. And right now we all have an abundance of that commodity. And as soon as I get out of my own way and get my ass up early, hit the gym, start working out again, and start really um, accepting the new new, which I think everybody has. And it just goes back to a very Buddhist thing, mind, body, and soul. Are you, is your mind right? Is your body right? Is your soul right? Did you meditate? Did you eat right? Did you sleep right? I can't answer yes to any of those right now, but I know <laughs> I can't complain either because I haven't checked those very three crucial things off. You can't do one and not the others. You have to do all three, you know. I had an interesting interaction today. So um, I was, uh, I have a printing company too. So I was seeing a client before I uh, came home and uh, I pulled up into their garage for their, their place of business and the employee that opened up the garage for me when he closed it, uh, he had kind of, well, we did what we were gonna do. I was dropping some stuff off. So he was talking to me while I was in my car and he felt comfortable enough and he took his mask off and he kind of walked over. <laughs> yeah, eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, eyebrows went up. And then he walked over close to me and he kept on walking close. And it was crazy because I was like, man, he's invading my personal space. But he was only like five feet away from me. And I was right. in the car, the window wasn't rolled up. But I was like, man, this is just where we at right now. This, I know. But I really felt like if he would have just came a little, I would have just had to say like, man, we're going through something right now. I'm not trying to be a square. <laughs> I'm not yeah. trying to be hard or just whatever. Right. Dude, I got I to gotta grind every day. Like, man, right. I can't. I can't. Uh, have you, you not know. seen the news? Like, you want to say that to people? Are you fucking, have you been in a coma? Do you not know what's going on right now? Speaking, <laughs> you know? speaking on that, I work with a comic who was at uh, at a party last night. And uh, it was, did you hear, it was at a... a an Beverly event. Hills? Yeah, man. He I was there. He, he 35-year-old woman shot dead. He, wow. he saw the girl before it happened. He said they were famous. Oh, my God. Wow. And he, he bounced. He was like, he was there and he's like, man, it was great. But he just said at midnight, it just seemed like a good time to dip. He was like, man, it's a good time. But it was amazing to me because it's kind of like, we're going through this pandemic situation right now. And like, no one was wearing masks and people were just Nobody. around each other. I saw and all I, those crowds. And I'm not trying to perpetuate the, uh, I guess, uh, people being scared of people. But at the same time, it's kind of like not saying that it's any better, but people that I am around, if we're not masked up, we're keeping distance. And then everybody is kind of looking at it like, okay, well, we're protecting everybody. Like everyone right. has someone older or maybe a significant other or something. So we're not just going to be on each other. But you got people out here, man, that are still, my, my, I, I give you one. I'm not going to talk about my city. You so hard on uh, the East Coast. My homeboy, my homeboy from New York, from Brooklyn, he's like, man, dudes is still on the corner passing blunts and passing 40s. And I'm like, man, yeah. in 2020? Yeah, <laughs> it costs you it costs you nothing to take it seriously. And it costs you everything to ignore it. You know what I mean? It's that simple. Even if it was a hoax, I'm going to go right along with it because I ain't going to be on a, uh, on a breathing machine. No it, thanks. I got asthma. I tell yeah, everybody. 
so I had a I had a second cousin that died two days ago. So oh, I had man, one, one guy about like maybe like a maybe a month plus, and then uh, I just found out um, today. As a matter of fact, I had one die. She's a second cousin. Not that the second cousin is any less than whatever, but right. Uh, but it's still she, serious. Yeah, she passed away, and this is what I tell people. We can debate from the end to the end of time on how it got here, but it's here. It's, that's just that's that's just where we at. It's so true, and everything's so politicized now that even that's politicized. Oh, masks are that, that's not real; it's a hoax. I don't care. Yes. I'm wearing one, and I've done my diligence and stayed home and wore my mask. I even went to go do a comedy show the other day. Nobody wiped the mic down. I had to bounce. You know what wow. I mean? Like I'm like nobody's wiping the mic down. I, I've been doing wow. so good avoiding this that i'm not gonna go get it now you, you know? gotta be, you gotta be most deaf on them man you gotta come that's a brilliant case yeah he comes with his own mic that's gonna be the that's the new new that's gonna that be is that is next time i got a question show. all right are you still the self-proclaimed grandmaster of grand theft auto oh yeah nobody can can see me in that and the thing is, I don't go adding up points. I just go killing teenagers and ruining their day. That's what I do. <laughs> I, 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 I snipe people in, downtown, or in Beverly Hills in the map. There's like a, a, a clock tower. And I get up there with my sniper rifle. And I just ruin teenagers' day all day. And I laugh like Robert De Niro and Kate Fear. I laugh so hard. And they hate it. And they send me nasty messages. And I just and I, I get off. <laughs> That's that. You know? Just turning fools into Swiss cheese. <laughs> I heard they're actually going to have a patch made for the new Grand Theft Auto to where people actually wear masks. I believe that. I can, I believe that. I haven't played in a minute, but if I get back on, I'm sure it is. Because a lot of times what happens is I get put in jail because I'm blowing up people's stuff too much. I'm, I'm not a good gamer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I played game in the 80s, you know what I mean? If it moves, kill it. I'm not into this hanging out and talking to people playing video <laughs> games. That's some weird shit. You know, I'm going to talk to some kid. In, in in Panama, no thanks. You know, I'm just gonna shoot <laughs> your shit up. I'm gonna sticky bomb your ass. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> uh, well, no, nah, man. Anybody you want to shout out? We about to wrap him down. You give give out shout out to you guys. Thanks for having me on, man. This is probably the best yeah. podcast I've done, and it, and and it's one of those things too where it's like if there's something to talk about, you know, there's you guys. A lot of people would be like, you know, tell me how you started comedy, which is fine and all that. But there's so many comedians talking to comedians about comedy that this is refreshing to talk about all things. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Yes. I was so I appreciate that my shout out to you guys. Yeah, right. I, was, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised at your knowledge of uh, hip hop, even though it did weigh a little too far to He's the so end. Yeah. It was just hey. tilted, you know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll put all the respect on ICZ, Dr. Dre, NWA, Farside, and uh, Jurassic 5, and all the, the dope West Coast groups who sound <laughs> like they're East Coast. <laughs> but you know what? Even, That's but, funny. But even, but even if you love the East Coast, I will say this, man. It was a pleasure having somebody other than Jeremy that rides <laughs> for East Coast hip hop and rides for hip hop. But Jeremy likes it all though, a little bit. But he, yeah. he does ride hard on the East. You know what I'm saying? I do too. It's it's okay. just it's where it started. It's the Mecca. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's the Mecca. And when you start that young into it too, it's just like you're so partial. I used to run home to watch Yo MTV raps every single day, and and they were so East Coast heavy back then until Ice T and those guys started coming along. 
you know, and when <laughs> Colors came out in 87, that's when Ice-T really started to get known and then Syndicate and all that. And that's when I, I, I gravitated to him for sure. Hey man, you just won major, major, for even, you saying the Syndicate, that puts Yo, you- Yo man, uh, you think I don't know about the Syndicate, nigga? I put that shit out, you know what I'm saying? Ah, that's funny. <laughs> Ice-T, ripping the microphone for the way I do. Listen close who, to my who, brothers. Who's the white guy in the syndicate? Who's the white guy what? In the syndicate. Oh, fuck, you're gonna hit me you're with younger, this right now. You're younger, but I'm- No, no I'm gonna educate you. If you don't yeah, know- educate me. Gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I know. Educate Everlast. Me. Everlast, that's right. Everlast. You know why I knew that? that? Really? I Everlast forgot about that because- syndicate. Yeah, because in 93, that's when they came out with their album and they were LA, but people thought they were Boston because they were so wearing all that yeah. Irish shit. But they were uh, hey, they weren't bad, man. I'll give it to House of Pain. No, I'll no, say no, the fourth, no, the fourth, fourth best white rap group ever. Beastie Boys, um, third base. Uh, uh, well, actually, probably third. I'll give them third best white rap group ever. Nah, House of Pain was dope. So with that being said, I want you guys to go and check out the homeboy Freddie Lockhart. Give him your Instagram tags, your whole little ins and outs. Oh, yeah, I'm on the uh, Instagram. My old one got stolen, so I have a really small one now, but I'm on Twitter mostly. Uh, Freddie Lockhart on Twitter, and then Freddie Lockhart on Instagram. Um, and then I also have a YouTube page where I've put nothing on, but I'm going to put this on if I can. And uh, I can't uh, thank you guys enough for having me on. This has been great. All good. Jeremy, anything you got going? Anything you want to... Um, actually, I've actually been doing a, a lot. I got a show, a Hypothetical Debate, coming out. And then also, um, also uh, I got, I think I did some something with uh, Boyer Magazine or whatever. So hopefully that'll drop sometime. I don't know. What are magazines anyway? It's like some digital, it's just a web <laughs> page pretty much. But yeah. <laughs> everything else, uh, jeremyscipio.com. That's S-C-I-P-P-I-O.com. And also at jeremyscipio on Instagram is at jeremycomedy. If you can't spell my last name, comedy. That's it. Can I ask one thing? Where'd you get that WAP last name? I'm half Italian, so I'm asking. Where'd you get that Italian ass last name? It's it's man, it's so funny. Like so my Was your my, slave my, owner's Italian? <laughs> that was actually one of my first jokes. Oh <laughs> right. uh, my my great gra- sorry, my grandfather, not my great grand. My grandfather, I didn't know him that well. Um, he actually lived in New York my whole life and I visited him like like once or twice as a kid. So as I started doing comedy, I would go to New York you know, more, you know, I'd see him and I just hang with him, whatever. So I find I was like, yo, so where does his name come from? Tell me more. And he goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I like, don't this. you get mad when people call you like Skip and Skip Tamalu and yeah. all that. They go, Yes, it oh. sounds like a it sounds like a bill collector for the mob. Jeremy Shipio's looking for you. It's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but my last name is Lockhart, which is Scottish, and I don't have any Scottish in me. That was my slave owner's name. So I'm like, my my vet's last name is Lockhart, Doctor Lockhart. And is it any relation? I go, unless you own my family, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I will say, I will say this. I, I took Latin for three years. Scipio actually, yeah, Scipio and, is actually um, one. Of, it's it's crazy. This I don't want to get too much into it, but I would say there was a guy, it was a Roman general named Scipio Africanus, who okay. debatably Africa, the continent was named after. Wow. So let me tell you so something they, in Latin. Can I speak to you in Latin? And tell me if you no. understand it. Oh Semper ubi sabubi. Semper ubi sabubi. Always wear oh, underwear. Man. I took it for three years. You don't remember how to do all your things? And, and oh, V is pronounced oh, as a W. The, the, 
the bro, yeah, yeah, Winnie Winnie Weechie. Winnie Winnie Weechie. Yeah. I always correct people. I was like, nope, the V's nope, pronounced not W in Latin. Yeah, I got a I got an A automatically because of my last name. That was it. Oh yeah, yeah. I did I, I did well. My sister my sister was really good and she went to Johns Hopkins and did amazing things, but she helped me get through Latin. And we took it together. And people are like, Why are you taking Latin? It's a dead language. I go, because I can decipher the meaning of any word when I read it. Yes. You know. And yeah. that's and that's I can what kill it a crossword me. puzzle. Kill a crossword <laughs> puzzle. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, nah, man, well, I want to thank both of you guys, man. You guys uh, came in, killed it, spiced it up. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to have you back, Mr. Lockhart. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I would love to come back. I think we have a lot more to talk about. Yes, yeah. sir. And thank, thank you, you bro. Mr.